welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Amen. Isaiah 35 and 8. Isaiah 35 and 8. And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. The wayfaring man, though fools, shall not err therein. And it shall be called the way of holiness. Everybody say the way of holiness. And then in Hebrews 12 and 14, the apostle Paul says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence that we feel in this house that is so rich and so full and so beautiful in the atmosphere tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would open our understanding. Give us wisdom. Give us revelation, O God, to know your word and to walk in the ways that you have called us to into that way of holiness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Um, Tonight, we'll endeavor to conclude this particular um, lesson here on the spirit of holiness. Uh, This gives you any clue or any idea. Uh, This is one of nine individual lessons, and it's taken us how many ever weeks just to get to the latter part of the first lesson. So that's why I'm telling you this is going to be months long as we go into the study of the way of holiness. Amen. Uh, I don't want to go through everything, but I, I do, just do want to recap uh, that that there is a way called holiness, and we can walk therein. Only when we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit can we have the spirit of holiness. It's because of God's righteousness that God separated himself from man because centered sin had entered into the fellowship and uh, it had broken that relationship. And uh, it's because God is holy and man is sinful that there cannot be fellowship between God and an unregenerated or a reborn person, that person that has been born again. So in order for us to become holy, we have to go to the source of holiness, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, be holy because I am holy. Uh, We concluded, uh, not last week, but the week before, talking about um, Matthew 12 and 34, where Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Uh, And this is true of a person's speech as well as their manner of conduct, that what is in a person will come out of a person. Amen. It'll come out of their mouth. It'll come out of what entertains them, how they dress, how they act. What's in them will come out of them. Amen. And so that's why we need holiness within so that it can come out of us. Amen. Because a person who is walking in holiness. Now, listen, you you can walk in holiness and not be a prude. 
you can walk in holiness and, and, and have fun. I, I don't think it's either or. You know, some people make living holy uh, something that I, I don't even know that God would want to do. It's so boring and so just mean. Amen. And uh, it, it just, uh, but I don't believe God's in that. I, I believe there's joy in living for God. I believe you can laugh and cut up and have a good time, be serious when you need to be serious, and live for God in a way that would attract people who are hungry for God. We can never subject our living holy to the opinion of a sinner or the world because they will never approve of that lifestyle. The lifestyle we are seeking approval of is the lifestyle that God has called us to, and that is the life of holiness. Amen. What's in the heart cannot be kept hidden. Amen. If God's presence is in your life, it will not be hidden. Amen. Because it will be it will be heralded forth as a testimony to the power of God. Likewise, if bitterness is in you, it won't be hidden. It'll it'll eventually come out. Amen. And so we we need to be aware of that that what's in us uh, will come out of us. Amen. Uh, know that that it will never be burdensome for a child of God. Uh, whose heart is fixed on Jesus to delight living a holy life. They'll never view holiness as a burden, but it will be the ardent desire of their heart to want to be like him who hath called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It's never going to be burdensome for them to refrain from sinful practices to follow after the way of holiness, amen. As a matter of fact, they'll consider it a joy to yield to the voice of God, amen. And the more the world rejects us, the stronger our desire is to be with the Lord, amen. And so uh, they used to say all the time, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus, because the earlier generation, um, at least the generation that that I was around growing up, they were they were. Uh, adamantly waiting on the rapture of the church it was it was all the time they were waiting on the rapture of the church and if they if you said oh i'll see it uh, sunday morning you'd say well i'll see it tonight at church i'd say well the lord will and if the lord don't come i'll see it tonight and we we grew up living with that attitude that jesus is coming back at any moment amen and so we we need to stir that back up within us amen a lot of people aren't in the church. The Bible, Jesus said he's coming in an hour that you think not. And that must be the hour we're living in because most church people aren't even thinking about Jesus returning. We've made a little bit of heaven on earth, and that's not to preach against creature comforts. But um, the earlier generations, they didn't live in the blessing and the overflow that we live in. And so they were looking for the rapture of the church, and they counted whatever they had to do for the Lord as joy, amen, because they knew that every action they had should confirm the will of God in their life, amen. Uh, holiness is a glory to God. Everybody say, holiness is a glory to God. Living a holy life glorifies God rather than glorifying oneself. And this is, um, this is that fine line we have to walk, amen, in understanding that what we do should bring glory to God in every aspect of our life. It, it always, uh, the one that's born again will always seek to exalt Jesus. Will always seek to exalt Jesus. And it's not just with their lips. And it's not just in church on Sunday or Wednesday. But they'll want to exalt Jesus in every aspect of the way that they live their life. Amen. The beauty of holiness comes from within. And it radiates from the presence of God. We cannot have holiness without the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
I'm reiterating that a lot. When looks when when someone looks upon the a beautiful Christian life, they should see Jesus Christ exemplified in us. The life of holiness is a reflection simply of God's glory. When they look at us, they need to see the the glory of God reflected in us and through us. Uh, The Apostle Paul stated that we are transfigured from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, Paul said, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So not only is holiness a glory to God because of his beauty revealed in the Christian's life, but it is recognized that no one can live a victorious life in their own strength. Amen. We cannot be victorious by our... How many has ever tried to overcome something in your flesh? Amen. I'm I'm just assuming you didn't raise your hand because you didn't catch it or you're tired. Amen. I'll raise both hands and both feet if I could. How many has ever tried to conquer something spiritually in the flesh? And you, and you can go ahead and write the book. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but we all know how it ends. Amen. Uh, when you try to conquer something spiritual in the flesh, it won't happen. Amen. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our enemy isn't, isn't flesh. Our enemy is the spirit that controls or manipulates that flesh. Amen. But it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin. Willpower alone won't do it. When, when a sinner is transformed and delivered from the bondage of all sinful habits, it, it's evident that it's an act of grace in their life, that God has empowered them to do that. Uh, it, that's why people that come out of drugs and come out of alcohol, when they are born again of the water and the spirit, a lot of them are delivered in the instant. They have been trying for years to be free of that certain addiction and that certain lifestyle. But when the Holy Spirit moves into their life, all of a sudden it gives them the strength and the power to overcome that. Amen. Amen. The life of holiness, amen, that one lives will result, be the result of a divine miracle in our life. It is miraculous that the presence of God is living in our life. Amen. They're going to experience victory that will cause not only them to praise God, but even cause the unbeliever to confess that only God could have done that in their life. Amen. That's what a work of sanctification does. Uh, you've heard me tell the story uh, probably too many times, but the fact that my wife gets messages on social media uh, from people that I grew up with or went to school with or worked with or, or they taught me in school and they'll message her and, uh, with a screenshot of my profile saying, um, is that your husband? And she will, it's funny because they all end up coming out about the same way. Yeah, that's my husband. Did, did he attend Falk High School? Yes, he did. did uh, and, and, but this can't be the same one. Yes, it is. But it says he's a pastor. It says he's a preacher. Amen. What, what, well, the first thing I say is a follower of Christ. Amen. Uh, there's no way it could be the same one that I knew in the 90s. There's no way that, yep, that's the same one. And then they'll always come back, well, only God could do to change him from what he was to to what he is. Amen. I I am so thankful, amen, that when we walk in the flow of the Holy Ghost, when we walk in a life that is yielded to the spirit of holiness, he can sanctify us through his spirit, amen, to where that even the sinner will take notice of what God has done in our life. Amen. 
Amen. There's a definite work of sanctification that takes place when we're born again. A person is either uh, saved or not saved. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Especially if you're new, you've probably never heard me say this. There's three things you're never kind of. Though they've been here a while, you know what I'm about to say. There's three things you're never kind of, all right? You're never kind of married. You're never kind of pregnant. And you're never kind of saved. You either is or you ain't. You either is saved or you ain't saved. You are married or you ain't married. You are pregnant or you ain't pregnant. There ain't no kind of to it. Amen. You can be kind of a lot of things. Amen. You can be kind of ugly. Be kind of pretty too. You can be kind of fat. Look, I'm embodying that. Amen. You can be kind of skinny. You can be kind of anything. But there's three kindness you ain't never going to be. Kind of married, kind of pregnant, or kind of saved. Amen. You either are saved or you ain't saved. If you're born again, you cannot be more born again. All right? You cannot be more saved than somebody else that's saved. That's like a baby saying, I'm more born than that other baby over there. I know that, I know that sounds a little elementary, but just I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Nobody is more born again than somebody else. It ain't like, you know, one still got their foot caught in the womb going, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. You're either born again or you're not born again. Amen? And, and, and so... If, if we are born again, amen, that Christian has to stand uh, in Christ and not of their own strength, amen. As a Christian, our standing in Christ is perfect. As a Christian, our standing in Christ is perfect while we are still imperfect. Okay? As a Christian, we may be blameless and yet at the same time not faultless. Because this is where the devil will put the revolver to your head and go, you're not perfect. You're not faultless. No, I, I'm perfect in him. The Bible says you are complete in him. You're not faultless. You're right. I have faults. But, but in him, I'm blameless. Because I have put my sin under the blood in baptism in Jesus' name. I put my sin under the blood. So that while, I, while I may have faults, I, I don't have blame. Amen. Amen. The Christian may be living up to all the knowledge and understanding that they have received. While, while living up to that, they may not understand some other levels of living for God. We're all in different paces. Right? Again, you can't be more saved than somebody else, but you can't have more knowledge than somebody else. This is why we got to be careful to, to love those and help those who are, in, who are right along with us in the work of sanctification that may not have the understanding that we have because you're at a different level in your walk with God than I am, and I'm in a different level in my walk with God than you are. And this is why the Bible says we are unwise if we are to compare ourselves among ourselves. 
and say, well, they're not like me. And I will, oh, I'm not like them. No, we got to be careful. The only, the only comparison we're supposed to make is to the cross of Calvary. That's, am I dead enough to my sins? Have I put my flesh on the altar like he put his flesh on the cross? That's what's important for us is to make sure that, that we are crucified with Christ and have the understanding that we're all, you, you, you ever notice that, um, how many remember being in school? Now, I know some of you may be a little bit longer than others, but how many can remember being in school? Amen. And, and uh, according to my dad, you know, he walked uphill both ways and snow waist deep, barefoot, had to hunt for food on the way to school, chop down trees and heat up the wood burning furnace in the school and you know, all that kind of stuff and, and fight off the Russians on the way home. And you just saw, I mean, all kinds of, it was evidently, you know, they, they lived in caveman days. We have tr tremendously advanced in 60 years. Uh, but uh, how many remember going to school and being in, in the same, uh, in the same class with people that are within a year of your age, but you had someone that was really advanced in that class. They were super smart. I always found them and sat behind them, and I'll let you figure out later why. <laughs> and then you had the me on the other end of the spectrum, right? Because not everybody's at the same level. I, I don't know if anybody here went to school where they had multiple grades in one classroom. I know in, in the old days they used to do that. You did that where they had, well, you grew up in West Virginia. That says all we need to know. <laughs> How was that electricity when they found that out a few years ago? Amen. Just kidding. But they used to have first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade all in one classroom. And the teacher had to know how to teach a first grader and a sixth grader at the same time. And one could argue that it was very good for the kids because education, they were learning a whole lot more then than they do now. Now they teach them how to memorize and pass tests rather than actually educate them. Amen. I'm not going to get on that soapbox. I'll climb right off of that one for a little bit. But, but how many realize that, that not everybody was moving at the same pace? Amen. Uh, uh, countries, especially the Scandinavian countries, have realized this over the last 10 years, and they realize that our model of education is a wreck. And they looked at it and said, how about let's quit teaching kids how to memorize stuff because most, you know, a lot of kids don't learn that way. They learn in different ways. That's why they have monastery schools and different schools like this. And over in the Scandinavian countries, you kids will love this. They only go to school three hours a day. Homework is illegal by law. And they are the top in math, the top in science. And by the time you graduate, you speak two languages fluently. Amen. You know what they learned? Everybody learns different. The same thing happens in the kingdom of God. We all advance at different levels and at different paces. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. I'll move on. How, how many has, now I see this as a pastor a lot. How many have ever heard something preached before and you went, wow. And then you share it with somebody else. Like, yeah, I heard that 20 years ago. I see that happen. We bring in a guest speaker, evangelist, and they'll preach something I preach. And, man, y'all climbing the walls. And I'm looking there going, I just said that. <laughs> I literally just said that. Amen. 
we, we learn it different. And, and how many's ever read a scripture and, and it's like it was the first time you ever read it, even though you've read it 150 times? It's because we are progressing at different levels. Amen. And, and we've got to help those along. They said in those old schools back in the 1800s in the turn of the 20th century, um, they said that the reason why education, why, why two-year-old, uh, second graders had a much higher education level than today's fifth and sixth graders is because the older kids would help them when they were struggling. We've got to do that in the kingdom of God. We can't be at our seventh grade level and make fun of somebody because they're still on second grade arithmetic. We need to go back and help them how we learned it and help them to overcome that. Amen? Amen. We're not going to put a dunce cap on somebody and say, you big dummy, how come you don't know that? We're going to help them along. That's what the Bible says. Amen? And so the new babe in Christ and the person that's growing in God cannot be expected to have the same understanding of God's word as a mature saint of God. And it's for this reason that God has placed pastors and teachers in the work of the fivefold ministry in the church. Now, Paul wrote about this in Ephesians 4 and 12 through 15. He said, um, uh, you know what, I'm, I, I've gotten the King James and the New Living Translation. I'm just going to read out the New Living Translation for sake of time. Um, it says, and their responsibility is to, to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, for this will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the fullness and complete standard of Christ, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Amen. And so that growing is speaking the truth in love. Amen. You, you, if you're going to speak the truth, we got to do it in love. Amen. Um, I, I have, years ago when I was uh, evangelizing, I was preaching in a church, and we were having a great revival and I'll never forget getting up one night and just, man, walking in the Holy Ghost. It was one of those rare times that, that uh, God was showing stuff. Man, I was walking in boldness, and the pastor's coming up and while I'm preaching, hitting me on the back. Come on, come on, take your liberty. Go, go, go. And I'm preaching. Man, I'm just, man, we're cutting all kinds of carnality out of the church and praying things through. And, and I remember getting to the office that night, and, and uh, we were just marveling what a great move of God we had. I mean, the altar call lasted an hour and a half, just weeping and praying. Beautiful service of consecration. And uh, I remember the pastor saying, and, and he meant this as a compliment. I don't I want you to take this the wrong way. He said, my God, he said, you really willed that sword tonight. He said, Lord, things were cut out of the church, need to be cut out, and all of this stuff. And I, and I went back to the hotel that night. And I sat down on the edge of the bed to take my shoes off. And when I did, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And he said, son, before you put that sword back in its sheath, you need to make sure you don't have innocent blood on it. And I got down beside my bed and I wept and I cried and I repented before the Lord. And I said, God, if there was any of me in that, 
if there was any if there was any personal vindictiveness or anger in me in that then I I want to be clean before you now I think if I would have done something maliciously I think I think the pastor was a seasoned enough pastor and most of you might know him would have pulled me aside and said hey you, you were coming off a little bit the wrong way but but it was something that was needed and every since then years ago it put a check in my spirit that when I'm going to have to preach or teach something I know can be somewhat controversial or, 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 or harsh or mean, um, I want to do it in a way, number one, that God gets glory. And number two, in a way that when, when the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is put back in its sheath, the only blood it drew was the enemies. And to, to the point that, that uh, when on my notes even on my digital version of notes, I write on them. Uh, Brother Roberto came to me a few times, and he, he would say, now, do I need to translate this? What is this? Because he can't hardly read my writing. I'm like, just don't worry about that. Those are notes not to the church. Those are notes to myself. And I, I will start out sometimes in a message that I know the flesh can be really tender in, and I know I'm going to be dealing with an issue, and I'll write myself a note. You better make sure you speak in the love of God. And I'll, you'll go down through the notes if you were to ever see them, which you probably won't. And you'll, I'll go somewhere down through there, and I'll just highlight and draw an arrow to the margin and say, check your spirit before you go any further. You'll go down a little bit more, and I'm saying something like that again. Make sure you're speaking through the love of God. Now, some people say, well, you're, you're being overcautious. Well, here's the thing. The Bible says that, that we as shepherds are going to stand before the Lord. And he's going to judge us for everything we preached. And even though we may have preached what was in the book, he's going to judge how we said it. And, and to us as, as pastors and ministers, he's going to judge us more harshly. To what he said to Jeremiah. He said, I'm going to hold you at a higher standard. And, and so I take that to heart. I, I really, really take that to heart. And I, I, I thank God, and I don't always get it right. I'm, I'm not one of those that think I always get it right. But I think, I, I think I'm somewhere where God wants me to be because um, August 8th will uh, mark 23 years of being in, in full-time ministry. And I seem to always make two sets of people mad. And it's the ones I want to make mad. And not on, not on purpose, but if I'm going to have somebody mad with them, I want these two groups of people with, mad. I want the ones that say, you know what? You preach that stuff so, you preach holiness too hard. You, you shouldn't be preaching all of that. You need to let up on it. That lets me know I'm preaching it. And then there's the other side that say, you don't preach it hard enough. So if I got those on that side saying I'm preaching too hard and those on that side saying I'm not preaching hard enough, then I know I'm right in the middle where I need to be. Amen. Amen. And, and so um, I, I said that to say, now the Bible says we're going to stand before the Lord and he will judge us for every idle word. Now I'm going to tell you that, that ought to scare the tomfoolery off of you right there. Amen. Because there's a judgment seat of Christ and that's where we're going to be judged as saved people. And there's the great white throne judgment where God's going to judge the unsaved people. And he's going to judge those of us that are saved and he's going to pull out our words. 
and then and then and then the ministry it'll go even then he will even judge the intent and so I always want to pray it through especially in a series like this I, I want to make sure I'm coming in the spirit of love and I'm coming in the truth of God's word because if I have to apologize for anything you know it'll be because I preached something that wasn't in the Bible amen and so we have to speak the truth in love because you can speak the truth and if it's not in love you can wound or offend your brother or your sister and lose all credibility with them amen and the bible says that 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 it's it's almost impossible to win over a brother to whom you've offended the bible says it's easier to conquer a walled city than win over a brother whom you've offended. And, and so I, I try to take that uh, in stride and say, okay, I'm going to speak the truth in love. Amen. And so um, we got to learn to do that because everybody is advancing at a different pace and we want to make sure that we're helping them along. So it's important for a Christian to maintain an earnest desire to be perfect in Christ and seek the will of God in every area of our life. Amen. Now, to illustrate this, let, this truth, let me, let me give you an example. Um, consider a student in school who may be, uh, who might excel in multiplication tables. They, they know their times tables. Um, and then you take that same, same student and you give them decimals and fractions and tell them to solve. And all of a sudden that becomes an issue for them because while they know their times tables, they don't know fractions. And that's another beast altogether. And the point of that is there are different levels of learning and understanding in Christ. And when we have the spirit of holiness, it is a teachable spirit that says, oh, I know I got my times tables, but I need you to help me with fractions. A spirit of holiness doesn't say, well, no, I can count to a thousand. I can count from a thousand to one. I don't need your help. Spirit of holiness says, teach me. I, I, I don't know enough yet. I want to learn more of God. Can you say amen? And then the more you learn, the more accountability God places on your understanding. Amen. You can't say, well, I heard it, but I didn't get it. Well, did you want to get it? Not listening. You ever seen kids do that? Not listening. It's like the little boy, his mama whooped him because he wouldn't sit down took off her shoe and swatted him across the backside three or four times, and he sat down, turned red, veins popping out of his head. Said, Mama, I'm sitting down, but I'm standing on the inside. All right? Some people, they live for God like that when it comes to walking in the way of holiness. They've heard it. They've taught it. They know it's in God's word, but they're going to just resist it with everything in them. We've got to have the spirit of holiness that says, Lord, I, I want to truly be more like you because the Holy Spirit will faithfully convict and deliver us from the bondage and condemnation of sin. In becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus, there is much necessary teaching for not just the newborn babe in Christ, but for those that have been walking in the way of holiness for some times. Some things may not seem harmful until the effects, to the harmful effects are revealed by the word of God or by the conviction of the Holy Ghost. 
um, I, I, my mind goes back to, I, I know some new believers that were raised in a culture where uh, beer or alcohol was consumed, consumed freely. And it was just a part of their life. It, it was just as it was at every meal, even before uh, the age of drinking. They come from a different culture. When they were teenagers, it was just a part of the meal. It was a part of every celebration. There was, there was beer. There was alcohol. It was just a part of everything. And, and yet not too long after being saved, nobody told them that that was wrong. But they went to the next family gathering, Brother Chase, and when that was being passed out, something in them said, ooh, I don't need to do this. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit will convict you of if you'll let him. Amen. You don't have to sit down and line somebody up when they receive the Holy Ghost and be baptized. If they will keep seeking the Lord, the Lord will put his finger on things in their life and go, nope, not that. Amen. And, and it's funny because I've had people call me before that, and say, Pastor, is this wrong? Well, why do you ask? I just feel it. Like it, I was going to do that, and I got this feeling in the pit of my stomach. That's the Holy Ghost. Well, is it wrong? Did it feel right? No. I emphasize that. Did it feel right? No. Now let me show you in the Bible where it says it's wrong. Because I want them to associate that feeling as the Holy Ghost flashing like a neon caution sign. Don't do it. Don't do it. Amen. And, 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 and they get this understanding. And then they understand Ephesians 5.18 where Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. Whereas in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen. The Apostle Paul recognized that he, even he was not yet perfect. But he was reaching for perfection in his life in Philippians 3 and 12 when he said, not as though I had already attained or either were already perfect, but I follow after. I'm following after that which is perfect. He, exert, he exhorted the Hebrew Christians to strive for, for, for perfection. In Hebrews 6 and 1, he said, let us go on unto perfection. Amen. Just because you'll never be perfect in the flesh doesn't mean we ought to just throw it to the wind and say, well, we ought not even try to live for God. Or if it feels good, do it. No, 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 no. We need to follow after the spirit of holiness. Let the spirit of God, amen, lead and guide us because a true saint of God walking in the way of holiness will not tolerate any known sin in their life. They're not going to fellowship that sin. They're not going to sit at the table of compromise and say, well, uh, maybe on the weekends or, or maybe on vacation or maybe when I'm, I'm with this person or that. No, they're going to shut it down and say, no, no, no. Sin can't walk in the way of holiness. And I'm going to walk after the Lord. They will maintain a sincere desire to be like Jesus. And then we will recognize as a born-again believer that a life of holiness, it requires a continual growing and spiritual maturing as you go. I'm sure we could talk to people in this building who've been serving God for more than 40 or 50 years, and they will tell you, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to grow in the Lord. Amen. Uh, the, this other point I want to hit is holiness is produced by a heart that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Christian living involves a life of, of obedience to the word of God and obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls, listen for this. I know it's going to be a shock, but the Bible calls for explicit obedience. 
not subjective obedience. Meaning, well, when I feel like it, or if I'm in the mood. If we're going to be Christians, we live in complete obedience to the voice of God. Amen. It should always be a joy to obey God's word. There are some things I may not understand, but if his word says it, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it with joy. Amen. I know some people live for God, and they got their lip, bottom lip poked out all the time. I don't know how they don't step on their bottom lip that hangs down so much. I live for God. Whoa. Just live for God's battle. Okay, in a sense, I get it. But in another sense, hey, I'm going to heaven. Right? I'm going to heaven. I get to miss hell. That ought to put a smile on your face. Not burning in a lake of fire for all of eternity in outer darkness to never know the fellowship of man or God again for all of existence is a reason for me to tuck that bottom lip in and say, boy, God is good, and I'm so glad I can walk in the way of holiness with him. Amen? Now, now this is something Brother Price said to me years ago, and, I'm, and I put this in there because he said this, a partial obedience is total disobedience. Partial obedience is total disobedience. The 21st century child of God must decide regarding right and wrong of many things that were unknown in the Bible times. Let me give you an example. The Bible does not say thou shalt not visit a pornography website. It's not in the Bible. Not there. But the spirit of it's there. Amen. There's nothing in the Bible, Brother Chase, says thou shalt not smoke crack cocaine. But the spirit of it is there. Amen. It does, Bible doesn't have to spell it out by the letter for it to be a sin. The Bible will spell out that spirit of that. Jesus says, if you look after a woman to lust, you've already committed adultery in your own heart. So if Jesus says that we can't look on somebody in lust without committing fornication, then we shouldn't be going to websites or watching movies that's going to have that in there. Does that make sense? Because the spirit of it's there. Praise God. Amen. And, and, and let me tell you something about God. Uh, he doesn't have to repeat everything in all 66 books to make it clear that it's a sin. He doesn't have to say, thou shalt not every time for it to become a sin. He, he, he is giving us the spirit of that. Amen? And, and those, especially those things that he calls an abomination. Those don't change. Amen? Uh, somebody, the, the, the movement that's out there now says that there's no explicit scripture in the New Testament against uh, homosexuality. And you got to shake your head and go, what? You ever read Romans? <laughs> Hello? But even if not, if you're going to go with that logic, okay, that is not in the New Testament explicitly, and it is. If we're going to go with that logic, nothing in the New Testament says bestiality is a sin. Is it still a sin? And if you struggle with it, we're going to have prayer for you quickly. Amen. It's a sin. It's a sin. He doesn't have to say it in every book 
and in both testaments to make something a sin. The spirit of it's there. And we walk after the spirit of holiness and the truth of God's word. Amen. And we'll get into this much later, but the distinction of dress between men and women. The spirit of it's there. It doesn't have to say thou shalt not or thou shalt. He already said that once. And we proclaim this. We stand upon the spirit of that. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. There's none in the Bible that, that says thou shalt not tell a dirty joke. It's not there. It's not. Some of you are like, really? It's not in the Bible? No, but it does say don't let any filthy communication come out of your mouth. Amen? So I, I don't have to have it dotted I cross T spelled out in modern vernacular for it to be understood. The spirit, the intent of what God is saying is clearly understood to anybody that's seeking to be more like Jesus. Paul knew nothing about Hollywood. Paul knew nothing about YouTube. He knew nothing about Netflix. He knew nothing about the internet, tobacco, cocaine, fentanyl, ecstasy pills. He didn't know anything about that. But yet, we as Christians rely on the voice of the Holy Ghost and the written word of God as he inspired and moved upon men of old to write in a way that it still defines those things as being wrong 2,000 years later. And if we'll remain sensitive to the spirit of God and God's direction, we can avoid sinful mistakes. Because Jesus gave us this hope in John 16 and 13. He says, how be it when he, who is he, he says, is the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Amen. Again, follow the Spirit to avoid the disaster of following the carnal man. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not only give positive direction regarding a life of holiness, but it is going to flash that sign, avoid, avoid. You are going to feel, if you are truly seeking the Lord, you are going to feel the Holy Ghost convict you before you go down and do something you're not supposed to do. Go somewhere you're not supposed to go. Amen? Amen. How many can say that the Lord did that to you early on in your walk with him? Amen. You remember when the Lord would convict you of that and you'd, go, you'd call somebody in the church? Amen. Maybe it was a long time ago and you, know, you sent it by carrier pigeon or whatever you did. And you said, hey, I was about to do this or somebody was telling this story or somebody told a dirty joke and I just kind of felt uneasy about that. What is that? And they told you, oh, that's the Holy Ghost telling you that's not right. Amen. Now, the question begs to be asked him, well, what if I don't feel that? If the word of God says it, it's still right. Amen. So we've got to follow, we've got to follow the voice of the Holy Ghost in our life. Amen. Finally, holiness is a necessity, not an option. Holiness is essential to salvation. If the sinner has to forsake sin to be saved, then the Christian must live free from sin in order to stay saved. We don't believe in one saved, always saved. That's a, that's a heretical doctrine. We don't believe that. 
Once you're saved, you'll always be saved, and you can never do anything to be unsaved. And, and I also say we reject salvation by works. We don't believe you can work your way to salvation. We believe when salvation comes, then as a result of salvation, works will follow salvation. Amen. Paul wrote to the church in Hebrews, and he said, again, in our text, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Fellowship with God, again, is broken because of sin. God had to deal with the sin question before salvation could be provided. For the same reason, sin has to be dealt with in our individual hearts and in our lives before we can have constant fellowship with God. Because salvation is maintaining fellowship with Jesus Christ and when fellowship is broken with God, then there is no salvation. And in order to get salvation, we've got to restore fellowship back to God. The Bible says no sin will enter into heaven. And if sin could enter in heaven, then heaven would cease to be heaven. Nobody's going to get to heaven and wipe their brow and go, I can't believe I made it. Nobody is. Nobody is going to cross that great fixed gulf, the great divide between here and the hereafter and step on streets of gold and wipe their brow, Brother Strickland, and go, I cannot believe I made it to heaven. I mean, by the skin of my teeth, I got here. I cannot believe it. Everybody that makes it to heaven is going to get to heaven and go, whoo, I knew I was going to make it. I fought with everything I had to get here, but I'm here. I knew I was going to make it because I'm determined to be here. Nobody gets to heaven by accident. Flip the coin over, hell's going to be filled with a lot of people going, I can't believe I made it here. I can't believe I ended up here. Amen. So the Bible says we got to make certain of our salvation and follow after him. Amen. And so the way to do that is living the life of holiness in the way of holiness by living a life of victory, by, by being an overcomer of sin and condemnation. Amen. That is being holy is a requirement to enter heaven without which no man shall see the Lord. The bride of Christ is a glorious bride. It is a church that the Bible says in Ephesians 5.27 is without spot. It's without wrinkle. Jesus is not returning for a worldly bride. Remember worldly, we talked about that a few means, means of the world, of the mindset of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. Jesus is not coming for a worldly bride. He's not coming for a sinful church. He is returning for a holy church, a glorious church, and a victorious church, a church that says, I want him more than I want the world. I want, a, I want fellowship with Jesus more than I want the acceptance of friends. Because the Christian who loves Jesus will be ready for the rapture and will gladly lay aside every sin and weight that does so easily beset us so that we can be robed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because holiness is a requirement to enter in heaven, and holiness is compensation without compromise. There's a great reward to live in a victorious life of holiness. We can live above condemnation and have sweet fellowship with Jesus Christ if we walk in the way of holiness. Amen. When we do, we're going to enjoy the peace of God in our life. Because if you have holiness, you'll have peace. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. 
Maybe you don't got peace because you're not walking in the way of holiness. We need to walk in the way of holiness, amen? We can share this joy with others, with the relationships that we have with our friends and family, because the Christian does not waste their strength in just arguing. They're looking to lead, amen? They're looking to lead, amen? A Christian can, can sleep more soundly because they know that all is well between themselves and God, and everything is right with their fellow man. I'm so glad I can lay my head on a pillow at night and know that if this ticker stops ticking, I know where I'm waking up. I'm waking up in the presence of God. I'm all right here, and I'm all right here. And the only way you can walk in that level of confidence is to walk in the way of holiness. Amen. Let me close out with this. The Christian who will be blessed by the Lord is one who desires holiness and who loves Jesus Christ. It's the one that loves God and desires to be Christ-like in every area of their life. A true Christian is not looking for what they can get away with, but is looking what they can do away with to walk in fellowship with him. A true Christian is not saying, do I have to? The true Christian is saying, I get to. A Christian will have no problem living for Jesus when they give up worldly affections. And if they will keep their proper priorities and they will keep their goals straight, then they will discover that a holy life is not an exceptional life for a Christian, but that a holy life is the normal life for a Christian. Because without it, we won't see the Lord. Amen. And we're going to discover that we can overcome things we didn't think we could overcome because we walk in the way of holiness. Amen. Praise God. Um, you two young men, if you'll help me hand those stack of papers out for the will, Brother Vincent, if you'll split them up. Let's do one per family at this point. I might be running a little short. Amen. I have a uh, two things we're going to do at the end of every lesson. Uh, granted, this lesson took several weeks. Um, we're going to do a test your knowledge and apply your knowledge. So you're getting homework. Welcome back to schools back in session season. Amen. And if you don't turn this in Sunday, then Brother Chase is going to have you sit on the floor and we're going to point you out all service and say they didn't do it, they didn't do it, they didn't do it. And no, I'm just kidding. Amen. Um, I think we should, do we have enough? I, I can I can print out more if you didn't get one. I think we got a, we should have enough for at least one for each family. Um, and I can, I can bring more Sunday if you want them. Because here's what I want to do in this series. I don't want to just teach it and you go, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. Oh, awesome. Oh, and, oh, that was pretty good thought. Wow, you know, pastor halfway knows what he's talking about. That's pretty good. I, I want you to test your knowledge, okay? Okay, we're going to go through this. And um, you can shout out. We're not going to go into long answers. We're going to go one or two word answers. I'm going to read it. I want you to feel uh, free to holler out the answer if you think it's the right answer, all right? So you're going to take this home, and I want you now, I didn't give you enough room to be able to write out long answers. I want you to take a separate sheet of paper and write down, you know, number one, and then if it's got 
two-part question to it. Write down 1A, 1B in your answers. You don't have to turn them in, but if you want to, that would be great. Um, Again, you're not going to be disfellowshipped if you don't. Well, you really don't know that. We might. You definitely lose good parking spots. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to turn it. That's a joke because we don't have any good parking around here. Amen. Um, You don't have to turn it in, but I would love for you to do this uh, as a homework. One, um, to, on test your knowledge is how important are a Christian is a Christian's attitude in living a life of holiness? How important is it? See how easy this stuff is? Two is how does God expect his children to be holy? List two or three verses of scripture that identify how God feels about his children being holy. Amen. Why is it necessary to always have the right spirit? Why is that necessary? Somebody throw out a short answer. To have the right spirit. Huh? Being like God. There you go. Being like God. Uh, Number four, is it permissible for a Christian to manifest pride in their heart? And then you can explain that answer. Amen. Consider the statement, a Christian may be blameless, but still not faultless. Do you agree with this concept? All right, then then explain. You can write yes and then explain why. Next, where were the disciples of Jesus first called Christians? Antioch, amen. Man, you guys are awesome. Y'all haven't missed one of them yet. All right, uh, what is the secret of understanding holiness and practicing it every day? The Holy Ghost, yes. I'm, I'm hearing answers coming from everywhere. All right, um, can a man belong to Christ without the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And then refer to Romans 8 and 9, and, and you'll get that. Uh, where does holiness begin in a man? In his heart. Excellent. How then is it manifested in a Christian? Conduct. Conduct. I heard somebody else say something. Spirit. Speech. That's right. Huh? Fruits. There you go. Amen. You know what's amazing? And I think this may have taken some people off guard. We're not, we're not talking about what we identify as standards. We're just talking about holiness. Because if we don't get this in us, we'll never get it out of us. Amen? Um, list some natural dividends of a life of holiness. Natural dividends or blessings or peace. Shout them out loud. Joy, happiness, love, gentleness, kindness. You act like you read your Bible before. What's some more benefits of living a life of holiness? Huh? Rest. Huh? I was waiting on that one. Heaven, that's the big one. (laughs) That's the big one. Amen. Praise God. All right. All right. So that's your test, your knowledge. All right. And then, like I said, at the end of each one of these uh, lessons, and it may take weeks to go through the lesson, we're going to have this. Test your knowledge. Apply your knowledge. Since the source, here's the apply your knowledge. Since the source of godliness, uh, of holiness is God, the Christian should always draw strength from God's indwelling spirit in order to achieve and maintain holiness. The process is natural and meticulous when one learns to depend upon and trust in the direction of the Holy Spirit. 
All right, now here's an example. It's the oil check example, all right? Some of y'all don't know anything about this, but those of us that didn't always have a nice car knows what I'm talking about. Here's a project that may help you maintain your Christian attitude. As a car needs oil to function, the Christian needs the oil of the Holy Spirit to maintain a holy attitude. Try the following steps to check your oil daily. One, begin the day with prayer. Brother Josh, read that after begin your day with prayer. Read it loud. Amen. A lot of y'all don't know what that means to fill the crankcase with oil. Y'all never drew them cars, drove them cars that you weren't worried about the gas. You were worried about the oil. And you you carry, how many have one of them cars? You carry quarts of oil. You get more miles per gallon of gas than you did oil. All right. It keeps the crank uh, case lubricated so that the engine can work and not overheat and not blow up. If you don't keep the Holy Spirit in your life every day, you're going to make a wreck of your spiritual walk with God. Amen. Number two is meditate on the Lord throughout the day. Sister Tammy, would you read after that for me? Amen. So number one, begin the day with prayer. Number two, meditate on the Lord throughout the day. Amen. Number three, rely on the Lord when situations arise. Do you get that? Rely on the Lord when situations arise. Sister Galene, would you read that paragraph for us? Begin the day with prayer, meditate on the Lord throughout the day, and then rely on the Lord when situations arise. Amen? I know this ain't the most profound stuff you've ever heard in your life, but this is going to help us get on the way of holiness and stay in the path of holiness. Amen? I want to be like Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like him in every way that I can. And if he is holy... The natural direction of the born-again child of God is the direction of holiness. Amen? Let's stand together tonight. Praise God. Amen. The more you know him, the more you will want to be like him. And, and you'll realize that you're in fellowship with this great Savior. I was uh, listening to uh, Brother, Brother Price, one of his messages from years ago. Um, back in, actually it was, uh, matter of fact, it was, I don't know when Brother Dansby passed away, but it was that, the night service of his funeral. I, I don't know what, if it was a district conference or whatever, but he was on his one message that Brother Price always preached. How many knows what it was? 
Knowing Jesus, that's it. That's, that was his only message, knowing Jesus. And he said this, he said, uh, if talking to Jesus doesn't thrill your soul, you need to go back to your Bible and reintroduce yourself to him again. In other words, if the life of holiness seems overwhelming, we need to go reintroduce ourselves back to the God of the Bible and fall in love with him all over again. And we'll follow after him. Praise God. Because holiness is going to begin in my heart. It's going to affect my speech. It's going to affect what I see. It's going to affect what I choose to listen to. It's going to affect what I participate in. Because he is holy. And I don't want to offend or grieve his Holy Spirit in my life. It, it, folks, it really is that simple. There's no magic pill. There's no little wand. There's no Holy Ghost fairy dust to sprinkle over you. It's really that simple. If God don't like it, back away from it. Because we can only do one thing. We can entertain him and stay in fellowship with him or entertain the world or our nature and break fellowship with him. Amen? I want to follow after him. I want to be like him. Can you say amen? Let's stretch our hands to heaven. Let's pray together before we dismiss tonight. Jesus, thank you for your word that you have preserved, oh God, that gives us the strength and the knowledge and the know-how to be able to live for you. Lord, I pray tonight that maybe those that came in weighed down with the cares and the burdens of life and the enemy of their soul telling them that they'll never be good enough and they've made too many mistakes and failures. Lord, that you will have tonight in this service and through your word strengthened and affirmed in them that you are calling us out of that and realize that you've empowered us to overcome that through your spirit, oh God. I pray right now, Lord, you would reignite within us the fire and the passion, oh God, to seek out after you daily in our prayer life, daily in our devotion in the word, daily in our worship, daily in how we interact with our fellow man. Lord, let the spirit of holiness just exude through us, oh God. Let it flow out of us, oh God, like rivers of living water. May people around us be affected, Lord. May they be effective in a positive way, God, because of my relationship with you, because I'm walking with you and communing with you, oh God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we don't want to just serve you haphazardly. We don't want to just serve you through the religious order of just coming to a building, but we want to have fellowship with you. We want to walk with you and talk with you. We want to commune with you, oh God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Would you pray for the person that's beside you for just a moment? Just pray that God would strengthen them. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them on this journey, Lord. I pray that you would give them the grace, oh God. Give them the wisdom and the understanding. Give them the peace and the guidance, oh God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, if there's anything in their life that's broken fellowship with you, Lord, give them the strength. To, to rekindle that bond and that fellowship, oh God. Help us, Lord, to walk in the way of holiness, God. Oh Lord, set a watchman at my mouth. Set a watchman at my eyes and my ears, oh God. I want to follow after you in the way of holiness, God. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. 
We want to stay connected with you. And so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.